Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Clifford, back, he'll keep it himself. Clifford, 30, scoots through 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Penn State. A 31 yard run by Sean Clifford, and the Nittany Lions retake the lead. Second and goal at the 8. Back goes Clifford. Waits, time, middle, caught, Parker Washington, touchdown, Penn State. That caps a 75-yard drive and 11 plays, and the Nittany Lions are right back in it. Play action fake, sets, delivers downfield. Dotson's got it 45-40. Dotson 35 inside the 35 to the Michigan State. 33-yard line and the Penn State first down. Washington near side, Dotson far side. Holmes to his right. Levis takes it. Levis straight up the middle. Flag goes down. Levis into the end zone for a Penn State touchdown. I think it's offsides against Michigan State on the play. The linesman threw the flag immediately. Defense, penalties decline, score is good. So they get the touchdown and tie the game at 24, and now an extra point away from the lead. Will Levis' second rushing touchdown of the season. First and 10, Michigan State 49. Clifford wants to throw on first down. Oh, he throws it wide open. Washington at the 30. 25 cuts inside 20. 15. Washington trying to get to the near corner. He gets there. Touchdown. Penn State. He was wide open on the play. Dotson awaits his punt at his own 30. Behringer takes it, kicks it out of there. Backpedaling is Dotson. Jaheim will take it at the 19. Swings near side with an opening 25, 30. Dotson, 35, 40. Dotson cuts inside 45, 50. He's to the 40. Dotson's going to go. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Penn State. Jahan Dotson takes the punt return to the house. On senior day, the Nittany Lions make it three consecutive wins as they beat Michigan State with a big second half, 39-24. The Nittany Lions have won three in a row, and on the last kneel down, a backflip by Kevon Lee. Oh, yeah, and that's what it sounded like here on WKOK on Saturday afternoon. Wasn't a pretty first half, but what a difference the second half made for the Penn State Indy Lions as they win their third in a row, 3-5 and five now on the year. Get ready for the Fighting Illini for one final game at Beaver Stadium next week. A bonus. Didn't really know what, who and when or where was going to be the opponent for the Big Ten Champions Week. That'll be starting up. Next Saturday, of course, for the Big Ten, highlighted by the Big Ten title given noon between Ohio State and Northwestern. But Penn State able to bounce back with a big second half, and they get the win. 
39 to 24. And everybody certainly played a hand in that comeback for sure. Real good game. Yeah, yeah, you're all happy. Jalen Hurts. Um... <laughs> that too, yes. Yeah, well. That's... Of course. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> There's lots to get into with that. Uh, I mean, he did a good job yesterday. Right? He did a good job. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he did a good job. <laughs> I just feel like you got a little fool's gold working for you there, but that's okay. You know, it's still, for one week, he was terrific. Uh, terrific. All right. So let's get to Penn State. Boy, there's a lot to get to today. Wow. Um, Gus Malzahn's buyout. How about that? Did you see that? $21.7 million for Ouch. Gus Malzahn. Okay. But that's not the whole story. Okay, the whole story is really interesting. Gus Malzahn not only is twenty one point seven million on the buyout, he gets ten point five million in thirty days. Ooh. There's a thirty day provision in there for for the ten and a half million. So he gets that in thirty days, then he gets the rest. I don't know what the timetable is on the rest. Uh but that that's amazing. The question I always have is this, and then I'll get to Penn State football very quickly here. The question I always have on, on this is, um, who are you going to get that's better? I mean, is there somebody out there that you really think is better? And that's a distinct possibility, and maybe they think there is somebody that's better out there. I don't know, but it's always the question I have to ask. All right. The coach that, by the way, did beat Alabama in last year's game. We did do that, right? Um, who are you going to get as better? And there could be, obviously, a list of people you think are better. Okay, then then go for it. But it's always the question I ask right away. Um, and uh, so we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, Penn State football. We'll start with that. The first quarter of the game looked like the previous two games. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, they got the penalty, which set them back, and they got a field goal on that drive. Okay. And that hurt. Okay, that hurt. So now you get to okay, but you're but you have control of the game, right? You have control of the game. Then the second quarter started. And the second quarter felt like like the first few weeks of the season. So I said to Jack, I said, boy, it feels like, like at least for the moment, they've reverted. Like, holy cow. Because you have a redshirt freshman at quarterback. And in the second quarter, it looked like for him, you know, and this is a generalization, but the generalization would be, boy, it looked like it was a seven-on-seven drill. Well, there's no there's no pressure in a seven on seven drill. Uh, 
for a quarterback to deal with. He wasn't getting pressure. He could scan, throw. He was comfortable with what he was doing, and they scored on three consecutive drives, 21 points. Like, wow. That was a shot in the... It was like taking a shot in the face. Now, Penn State did score a touchdown in that run. You know, he fell behind 7-3, then they were up 10-7. But then, boom, bang, right back. And it wasn't just... The fact that they did it, it was the fact with the ease with which it looked Michigan State did it. You know, the perception of it. And it just felt like, you know, I even said to Jackson, man, it looks like 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 seven-on-seven seven drill out there for, for, for this kid. And I said, and we both agreed they had to somehow get some pressure on this guy. Then the second half started. And when the second half started... Uh, Jack and I have both said to start the second half, hey, you know what, here's the bottom line. You know, Penn State needs to be the next team to score. Well, they took the second half kickoff, and to their credit, went right downfield, scored a touchdown, and that set the tone for the entire second half because that was the best half of football Penn State's played all year, the best half of football that they played. And that was the second half was quote fun to watch. After what was an incredibly frustrating second quarter, there's no getting around. It's a frustrating second quarter. Like I said the second quarter felt like the first few weeks of the season. You're like, really? Because the first quarter looked like the the last two games. Controlling the game, controlling the tempo, defensively controlling the game, offensively the ground attacks going. You got you know you're mixing in your pass plays. You're doing okay. Um, you're you know controlling the clock, and then the second quarter felt like the first few weeks. Like you got to be kidding me. Then in the second half, that was the best half of football they played this year. Now they have Illinois. Uh, Look, just the whole point, they're playing at home. Because, I mean, that game meant something to them playing at home this week, by the way. I mean, home field was actually, I didn't reference what the criterion was last week. I told you it was not East versus, it was not East hosting, which the East should have hosted anyway. The East should have been hosting because next year, Penn State has to play, like all the other Eastern teams, five road games. Well, why should an Eastern team have to play back-to-back years of five road games? That's my point. Uh, but that didn't come into play. It was actually your home record. Well, Illinois is 0-3 at home this year. That's why when the game was over, Jack and I pretty much felt that Minnesota was going to be playing Wisconsin, which is the right thing to do in my opinion. We pretty much felt they would match up Indiana with Purdue, which we both felt that was the right thing to do. So now through the process of elimination, we're looking at Illinois. And that's when we both figured out, hey, you know what? Uh, The game's going to be here this week. Now, I couldn't say that in the broadcast because we weren't, you know, I wasn't at liberty to say what the criterion was. Uh, But... uh, but through the process of elimination, that's what we thought it was going to be. Just the question of what time, what day and what time it was going to be. It could have been a Friday game, you know. But it turned out it was Saturday at 5.30. We know Lovey Smith got fired 
over the weekend. I guess it was yesterday they announced it, right? That sounds right. He got fired yesterday. Rod Smith, the offensive coordinator, who ironically has never been a head coach in his career. Uh, He'll be the acting head coach on Saturday. He'll be the acting head coach on Saturday for Illinois. They've had four different starting quarterbacks. Brandon Peters had to miss the mandatory 21 days because early in the season he got COVID, so they had to start rotating around with quarterbacks. Tony Adams, who's a very good safety for them, won't be able to play this week because he's on the he's on the COVID list. But uh, uh, Matt Hobbs, uh, who missed the Northwestern game at corner, he had been put uh, he couldn't play against Northwestern because of contact tracing. He's a, he'll be back this week, but they have a lot of guys out. Delano Ware put his name into the transfer portal over the weekend, so he's left the team. Um, it's not like you know, it's not like they don't have talent, but it's also not like they don't have problems either. And their offense has been the biggest problem at all. I mean, they're not uh, they're only averaging 140 yards passing a game. Now they're running the ball decently. You know, Mike Epstein, Chase Brown, and when they bring in Isaiah Williams as the quarterback, he's a very good runner, as a matter of fact. So you're going to have to gain control of that. And Hanson, the middle linebacker, is a terrific player. Uh, very quickly, um, I wanted to bring this up. Uh, I think some there's there's some times, Matt, where I'm just trying to give the fans information and people think I'm making excuses for what's going on. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not sitting here trying to make excuses for anything that's going on. So when I tell fans, for example, that that for the first time in a long time a coach has had to coach through finals here. That's the same for almost every coach in college football this year. College football coaches, that's just me giving the fan information. It's not making an excuse. It's just giving information. Because it's not just the coach dealing with it. It's the players that have to deal with taking finals. The players never have to take finals in football because of the way the schedule is. Never. So any Power 5 coach that either coached last week, because it depends on, you know, now Notre Dame finished up. Notre, remember how Notre Dame started early? They started August 10th because they wanted to finish their semester by Thanksgiving. All right, so some schools have done that. Other schools didn't do that, this being one. The only reason I brought it up was my, is my basketball experience. See, my basketball experience is the only reason I brought it up on Saturday as another add-on to everything else that's going on, that now you've got to deal with this element. It's just giving information that the fan may not have realized or at least thought of. If you're going to be a great academic institution and talk about 92% graduation rates, the academic part is a critical component of what you have. Well, in basketball, and Jim Ferry talked about this in the postgame show yesterday, because I asked him about it in the postgame, about handling this week. In basketball, and it's only you're talking fifteen players, you know, with your walk ons, you usually have two or three walk ons. You have fifteen players. In basketball, you notice nobody schedules a game during finals week. Yeah, you know, maybe on Friday you'll get to Friday and you'll you'll schedule a game. But finals week you don't schedule games. Bucknell doesn't, as an example. Part of it is for a coach now, this is basketball. This is my basketball experience coming to play here. In basketball, 
you may have, I don't know, nine, ten guys available at a particular time, so you schedule the practice for that time. So in basketball, let's just take Penn State. They might have a practice scheduled for Tuesday, tomorrow, at 10 a.m., believe it or not. And they could probably get nine or ten guys out of the 15 together to do it. And then you pick a little different time on Wednesday where you can get more guys or a different group of guys because the difference between finals and class schedules is that class schedules are regimented, you know, times, bang, 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 bang. Finals are all over the lot. You can have a a scheduled class at noon on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but then your final is Tuesday at 10 a.m. It's it's just the way it is. So that's why a basketball coach has to negotiate their way through that. Well, a football coach never has to do that because, you know, conference championship games are the first weekend of December. Finals are after that. So you'll, you'll practice to get ready for the bowl. Usually it's on weekends, whatever. And then when you get the finals week, they take finals. Then they let them go home for Christmas, and they meet right day after Christmas. They go to the bowl site. So you don't have to deal with it. So in this particular week, if you're a Power 5 coach and you have finals this week, you've had to deal with COVID and can I keep everybody negative? You have to deal with the usual injuries. You've got letter intent day on Wednesday, which is normally a week where your players aren't practicing because there's no game at the end of the week. So you don't, you know, so that's a normal schedule. So now you got to deal with that while prepping for the game. Finals. You never have to deal with finals. This is just me giving information. It's not making excuses because, let's face it, a quick show of hands. How many of you even realize Penn State had finals this week and that, that they haven't had to coach a game? And this is everybody. Illinois has to go through the same thing. You know, Alabama does. Every you know, all, Everybody has to go through this. You know, if Alabama didn't have to go through it this week or Clemson, they had to go through it last week, whatever the week is that you pick. Because the college football season got pushed back. This is something all the Power 5 football coaches are dealing with they never had to deal with before. It's just another wrench that's thrown in there. It's not an excuse. It's just giving information that maybe people hadn't realized. That's not an excuse. It's just information. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's just a conversation piece that's just unusual. It's the only reason I brought it up. Not as an excuse, just as conversation. Rich Scarcella, more conversation coming up. Matt's in a good mood, first time in weeks. Jalen Hurts is now his quarterback, rated by, according to Matt's text, the greatest quarterback he's ever seen in Eagles history. Uh, sort of. You know what was interesting about that was actually New Orleans yesterday. Very quick. I know we have to take a break, Matt. I know that. Um, But if I had to pick two teams that could play against that style of offense because they see it all the time would be the Ravens and because of Taysom Hill, the Saints. And the Saints acted like they never saw that kind of offense before. That was really weird. I give the Eagles credit. I think the Eagles across the board played really good football yesterday. Across the board played really well. All right. Today's show brought to you by good friends at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in summary, go to purdyinsurance.com. On News Radio 1070 WKOK.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applications applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. They'll figure out ways to save you money. Maybe it's bundles. But they'll do it. They'll find it for you. And that is Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Guy went out today and made sure the snowblower was working, I'm sure, is Rich Scarcella. My good friend, happy holidays to you and that wonderful family of yours. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure, Steve, and same to you. Thank you. Appreciate that. You know, I'll sum it up like this. I thought the first quarter, and I said this at the beginning of the show, I thought the first quarter looked like the first two games. I thought the second quarter looked like the first few weeks, and I thought the second half was the best half I've seen them play all season. How did you view it? Yeah, I I thought, um, yeah, that, that's, that's a really good way to put it. I, didn't, I never thought of it like that, but I thought the second quarter um, looked eerily like some of the games early in the season. Um, yes. There was a lot of open space downfield uh, for Peyton Thorne uh, to, to find open receivers. But the fact that Penn State came back from an 11-point halftime deficit and really controlled the second half, um, I thought that was a, almost that was a very complete half of football. Yeah, I, I would... I'd have to I'd have to agree with you, Steve. I think that was their best half of football all year. Yeah, and uh, and a lot of elements came together in the second half. Jack and I had said in the broadcast that we felt coming out of the halftime because it felt like a seven on seven drill in the second in the second quarter. And, <laughs> I mean, in terms of perception, you know, we felt they had to be the first team to score in the second half, and I thought that set the tone for the second half. Yeah, that opening drive really did, and uh, you know, and and they got passing contributions from both quarterbacks on that drive, and um, yeah, I thought that was very impressive to come out. Uh, I think it was eleven plays, I think seventy, you know, seventy-five yards. I, yeah, I, yes. I was I was very impressed through, um, with that, and I think that did set the tone for the rest of the game. Um, Sean Clifford looked. Um, more decisive, uh, release the ball quicker. I think that helps him. That helps the Penn State offense. And I didn't know this till I saw 
the replay on Big Ten Network this morning, I guess that James had said to the TV folks that they needed to throw the ball down the field in the second half, and they did that. And I think that worked very well. And the other thing, Steve, is no sacks for the first time this year. No sacks yeah. allowed by Penn State. And they and on the other side of the ball, they set a season high for sacks with four. Um, so, yeah, I thought I thought the second half, um, you know, and and I guess it was talked about after the game, but that. That stop from after first Michigan State at first and goal to four uh, in the third quarter, and they had yeah. they they had to kill, they had to kick a field goal. They settled for a field goal. I really think that changed things. And then Penn State turns around and drives quickly down the field to take the lead, and and really um, they they control the rest of the game. I agree with you about the uh, the stand because they got first and goal at the four. They ended up with fourth and goal at the six and settled for a field goal, and you're still just one score down. In fact, I think I said something to the effect of when Penn State got the ensuing kickoff that they're only 69 yards from the lead because you just felt it was swinging that way. Yeah, I mean, okay, first down, um, the running back slips, but, but Ellis Brooks was right there. Uh, I didn't like Michigan State's second down play call no. with um, Thorne keeping the ball, but because Penn, Penn State really defended it well. And then Shane Simmons, who had a tremendous game, much to the delight of probably the entire locker room, tipped the tipped the third down pass. And and really, and then they they went down the field and they they hit those two Levis found Dotson over the middle with maybe the best pass he's thrown. And then Clifford found Washington, um, you know, on the left side there, and he took it down inside the tent or near the, near the tent, I should say. And yeah, everything changed after that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's really it, it was a very good win. I mean, no, you know, there, it wasn't always pretty, but the fact that um, they came from behind by came from eleven points down, I think, was very very impressive. What about the the senior component of it? Now, obviously, they get another game this week in Beaver Stadium, and there may be a couple of those guys that do come back. We'll have to see. Uh, but what about the senior component? Not a big class committed. The fifth-year guys, now Tariq would not be in that group, and Jaquan Brisker as a two-year player would not be in that group. But the other ones, like Fries, Michael Mennett from your area, yeah. for example, they committed when Penn State wasn't eligible for a bowl game. So they do that. They help win a Big Ten title. They help win a Fiesta Bowl. They help win a Cotton Bowl. Then they go through a global pandemic. When you've talked to them about their five-year ride here, and especially Michael, because I'm sure you talked to Michael enough, what's this experience been like with all the aspects they've had to deal with? Well, my, Michael doesn't reveal a lot. Michael, I mean, he's no, very no, good. He and he, we, have a, we have a very good relationship, but 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 Michael. You can tell after the game Saturday, um, you know, on the on his press conference, uh, how much he appreciate uh, appreciated not only winning on Senior Day, not only um, playing at Penn State, but he felt like he has been embraced uh, by the campus, by the community, by the fan base. And and you can tell, and I and I felt the same thing about Shaka Tony as well. That yes. they, like you know, Shaka 
you know, Chuck didn't say much publicly the first couple of years. And even, even last year when he was starting, he was reluctant to do interviews. But he's really become sort of a spokesman for this team and really offers a lot of perspective. And you can tell from those two guys especially how much they appreciated, um, how much they have appreciated uh, the opportunity to play at Penn State and, and all that and all that they've been through. I mean, they've seen the highs of the highs and lows of the lows. Mm-hmm. And now they're, you know, coming off three consecutive wins, they're feeling pretty good about um, things going into the end of their careers. Yeah, it was about 9.30 in the morning, and I'm watching Michael Mennett and Will Fries, just the two of them, mm-hmm. walk around the perimeter of the field after the game. There's Michael Mennett, Will Fries. Others were doing it too, but they were together and then caught up with Shaka and those guys walking around the perimeter of the field. Hey, five years. Yeah. Same same room, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah. The roommates. Right, right, right. Had to wonder what the had to wonder what the emotions were like, you know, that walk before the game, that walk after the game. Yeah, I'm sure they were taking it all in as much as they could in an empty stadium. But they were they were that's that's what I wrote in my game story, that that whole trying to set that whole scene and really how surreal it was. You know, that yeah. that they were taking a victory lap like I think Trace really kind of started this uh yeah. two years ago. Trace McSorley, excuse me, and um and I, and they were doing that, but there was nobody in the stands and you felt yeah. You know, you felt for them. You're like, you know, there should be somebody cheering for them because this is their, you know, you don't, you know, at that point, we really didn't know, was there going to be a game this week? Where was it going to be? We didn't really know for sure. So, yeah, I was really, you know, and I, you know, the other guy from Berks County, Isaac Lutz, who came there or went there as a walk-on and got a scholarship last year, I was watching him too, and he was sort of doing, he was by himself and yes, walking slowly and just looking up at the stadium, you know, as he took his slow lap around and trying to take it all in, you know, trying to imagine all, you know, the whiteouts and, right. you know, clinching clinching the Big Ten East championship at the end of the 16 regular season and, and everything else that has happened there. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a very poignant moment. I, I thought so, too. We stayed on and we talked about it. Jack and I did described it. Because we just thought it was emotional, yeah. Uh, and we told, we mentioned Isaac. We mentioned everybody who was doing it. Lamont Wade laying on the field, mm-hmm. looking up at the sky, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it's not as if they've never been in there when the stadium was empty, because they've practiced and scrimmaged a lot mm-hmm. in the stadium when nobody's been there. But it is different mentally when it's a game, and you just played a game, and there's nobody there, okay? except cardboard yeah. cutouts. Yeah, it, somebody somebody tweeted at me. They thought it might have been a former player. I don't remember. It said it was like a a freshman scrimmage at nine thirty in the morning. Yeah, and that's yeah. and it's sort of it was just you know I obviously you and I have both been there for the first three home games, and there were you know there were parents in there and and for both yes. from both schools, yeah. but this was really really different with nobody in the stands. Yeah. Just it, it was just very. You know, surreal is the best word I can use. Yeah, no question. Uh, they've got the game this week, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to actually get into the Ohio State situation. 
Okay. The SEC is now starting to punch it a little bit. Dan Mullen makes a comment about losing the LSU, and he says, you know, he says maybe we should have played fewer games like other people. In other words, we risked it. Nobody else did. You know, the team in the Big Ten essentially didn't. Is there a perception that Ohio State is getting a free pass to get to not only the Big Ten championship game, but potentially a free pass of getting to the college football playoff because the brand means so much to the college football playoff as opposed to uh, the resume? Um, If you're asking me if there's a perception, yes. And people are going to have that perception. How do I feel? I I didn't really have a problem with it. I no, I, mean, I didn't either. I didn't I really either. didn't. And and here's why: um, if Ohio State had played Michigan, chances are they would have won. Okay, but let's say they would have lost, they still would have gone to the Big Ten championship game. Agreed. So that it so really and and I got to say this too. Tip of the cap. Uh, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. The, the athletic director at Indiana handled it great. This, you know, they they didn't at least publicly didn't seem to have a problem with it. Well, then who else? Well, who else are you picking? So you know, that's I I don't have a problem with that at all. Secondly, Dan Mullen better worry about his players not throwing shoes before right. he. And, and how about <laughs> and also better worry about beating a twenty some point underdog in LSU yeah. before he casts dispersions on. Ohio State and, and where they're yeah. at. I mean, Ohio State's. Cl- oh, let's say this: they're clearly the best team in the in the East, and that's yes. all we're that's all we're talking about here. We're not talking yeah. about anything else. They're clearly the the best team in the in the East, and I I really didn't have a problem with that. You know, I I just didn't. And um, you know, and if if they happen to beat Northwestern, I expect them to. But I, if they do, yeah. I think they have as good a case as anybody. To be in the playoff, and yeah. they need and to be in the championship game. They need the data point. I mean, Iowa may be a better team for them to play in terms of opponent because right. Iowa's playing terrific football yes. right now. Uh, but you don't get the data point for playing Iowa. You get the data point because it's the Big Ten championship game. So that's where that comes into play. Uh, yeah, I yeah and, I don't have. It, I'm, I'm with you, Steve. I, I, that. Yeah. I I, don't have, I I didn't think about it that much at all to tell you the truth, but I did hear about oh, the Dan Mullen remarks, so and I yeah. sort of laughed. I did. Well, here's what I had to laugh when he threw the shoe. It reminded me of the movie Austin Powers. Yes. <laughs> who, th- who throws a shoe? <laughs> yes. So. I mean, yeah, like, and you know what? What is he after you lose like that, and you lose to a team that you should have beaten at home yes. by a lot? You're talking about Ohio State, like what? Like what is? I don't. I know. You know. That's entitlement. Yeah. That's yeah. Enti- that's entitlement. All right. Yeah, I guess. But the number one's the number one seed in the NFC is. Well, the Green Bay Packers right now. Your favorite team is. The Green Bay Packers. What do you think of your team right now? Um, I, I know the defense the scares offense, you. I think the offense is playing as well as any team in the league, including the Chiefs, I worry about the defense. I I I mean when it you know, in a in a in a championship type setting, I don't know how good their defense is. And their special teams has been very leaky these last couple probably four or five weeks. I mean they gave up a long kickoff return last, yesterday that allowed 
Detroit to at least make it interesting at the end, and then they gave up, as you saw against the Eagles, they gave up a long punt return yeah. for a touchdown. So, but um, but the quarterback's pretty good. Yeah, I've heard. That I've, you know, I've heard yeah. of him. I like his style. Yeah, uh, thirty-nine touchdown passes, four interceptions, sixty-eight percent completion, sixty-eight percent completions. Um, excuse me, uh, and. I think right now, and I, of course I am biased, he, he should be the MVP. That's my and Adrian opinion. Amos, and Adrian Amos, by the way, is the best defensive player you have. I mean, I, I think Amos... I don't think there's really any doubt about that. Yeah. Adrian no, Amos Kenny Clark's is pretty best. good, but a- Amos has been a big, big help. Yeah. Big Huge. help. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. There you go. There's your team. Hey, always a pleasure, my friend. Hopefully... Uh, Hope to see you Saturday, and uh, hope to have you on before the holidays, um, which obviously is next week. But uh, look at your perspective again next week. Rich, thank Anytime, you. Anytime, Steve. Thanks very much. Rich Garcella, Reading Eagle. We'll come back more in a moment. Matt Leon with a much cheerier Eagles update this week because number two has stepped in and he has saved the franchise. Yeah, I told Rich you're welcome before he jumped on with you. Oh, about the fact that the Eagles won over the Saints. Exactly. Yeah. Because the Packers have the tiebreaker. Exactly. Packers Packers beat the Saints in New Orleans. That's what happens when there's no crowd and you can hard count on the road three times and draw the Saints off sides. There's no crowd. They'd have to be used, they'd be, have to use hand signals to do it. It's like playing on the road has been, except for the travel part, has been no big deal. You look around and go, yeah, okay, that's great. It's about the way it is right now, playing playing on the road with nobody there. I mean, Penn State went to Michigan, it's nobody there. They played at Nebraska, it was nobody there. Like, geez. Saturday, nobody there. Now, I've been in Beaver Stadium and I've sat in that in that in the broadcast booth. During a scrimmage, I will sit the first half of the scrimmage. I'll sit in the broadcast booth because I want to see it from the angle that I I will be watching, so I can like go through and see personnel and start thinking about you know players, numbers, things like that. You know, then the second half, I walk, I go down the field because for a scrimmage because I want to you know just so I see it from that point of view. So I mean, I've been there when there's nobody there. But when you go in for a scrimmage, you expect nobody to be there. When I go in for a game, I don't expect the stands to be empty. <laughs> I expect it to be like life in front of me. It's, so it is different, no doubt. Once the game starts, though, you don't notice it, Matt. That's the weird part. I'm talking about from the announcing point. Every time the game has started, I, start, I, get, I concentrate so much on the rectangle, personnel changes, things like that. I don't really notice the crowd. I'm used to it now myself. It's something I don't want to get used to. I know that. True. I want people back there in droves. I want I want life to come back. I want life to return. This isn't life. This is this is right now existing and surviving. All right. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance.
Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. During this time, we are operating under the guidance of the PA Insurance Department. Most of our staff continues to work from home to practice social distancing for the safety of our staff and clients. Our office remains open and available to service our current and new clients by phone by calling 570-286-5855, email, and by appointment. Our after-hours emergency service is also ready to assist our clients with their needs. From the team at Purdy Insurance, stay safe, be well, be kind, and know that we remain dedicated to the highest level levels of service to protect what matters most.